Track Smack with Don Hall. Smackcast. Hey everyone, this is Mike Haig and welcome back to another edition on TrackSmackRadio.com. Today's show is called the Smackcast Edition and we are going to feature what happened on Sunday night at the Dixie Vodka 400 at Homestead Miami Speedway. Well, Sunday's race at Homestead Miami Speedway took forever to get finished because of the weather conditions. Now from 2002 to 2019, this Homestead stop on the schedule was the November Championship Finale race. But earlier this year, this race was scheduled to take place in March, a new race date on the NASCAR Cup Series schedule. But as you know, the COVID-19 outbreak came and the race was postponed until this summer. Now, anytime you have a race or an event in Florida in the summer, you can pretty much guarantee there's going to be storms or lightning in the area. And that's what happened on Sunday. Thunderstorms rolled in and that red flagged the race for nearly three hours of no racing due to the weather. But when the track dried and the clouds smoothed, out it was great racing from that point on and when you look at the final race statistics it will definitely show that Denny Hamlin led a dominating 138 of the 267 laps to win Sunday's Dixie Vodka 400 at Homestead Miami Speedway. Hamlin took the lead for good and passed Chase Elliott with 29 laps remaining after a series of green flag pit stops that swapped the two cars positions in front of the field. They had a great race going on for a while there. Now Chase Elliott had a pit stop a lap earlier than Denny Hamlin and he held a 1.5 second lead in the dozen or so laps after the green flag stops but Hamlin was able to catch up with Elliott as they try to get around the race's earlier leader Joey Logano who was running two laps down at the time. When the checkered flag was finally waved, Denny Hamlin had a .895 second margin of victory over Hendrick Motorsports' Chase Elliott and Team Penske's Ryan Blaney, who finished third. Now, with the victory, Hamlin became the first three-race winner on the season schedule so far this year. It was also Hamlin's 40th career NASCAR Cup Series career win and his third career victory at Homestead Miami Speedway, and that ties in with NASCAR Hall of Fame's Tony Stewart and Greg Biffle for the most wins all time on the 1.5-mile oval track. Now, another amazing finish was rookie driver Tyler Reddick, who won the 2018 and 2019 NASCAR Xfinity Series races at Homestead. Now, finishing a strong fourth was rookie driver Tyler Reddick. Then, Eric Amarola, a Florida native, had a season's best fifth place finish. Kyle Busch, Austin Dillon, rookie Christopher Bell, William Byron, and Brad Keselowski rounded out the top 10 in the field. Now, today's SmackCast edition is going to feature some media center post-race interviews with Tyler Redrick, Austin Dillon, Ryan Blaney, winning crew chief Chris Gabehart, and race winner Denny Hamlin. First up, we're going to hear from Tyler Redrick. Here's what Tyler had to say. Well, uh, I got to go to Homestead, Miami, one of my favorite racetracks, and uh, ride the fence like I always love to and, and dream of doing when I come to this racetrack. Uh, had a really good had a really good Chevy Caris Camaro. We were able to drive up to the front really early and stay up front pretty much all night long. Uh, it was just a just really hard to figure out what what adjustments I needed to keep the fence working as it built up rubber up there and continued to change as the night progressed and the track got cooler. So just missed a little bit on the final long run, um, but we were within reach there. Brought home P4. Really proud of all the men and women at RCR, ECR for continuing to bring great cars and we'll use this momentum to, to push forward and, and try and get closer to victory lane. Next up, we're going to hear from Austin Dillon. 
Austin started the race in 16th and finished a strong 7th. Here's what Austin had to say. Okay, race is over. I want to start this video off by thanking the good Lord above. He uh, never ceases to amaze me. What an amazing day. Ace is here. Um, his mom did an amazing job this morning. Uh, I can't thank her enough. I can't thank my mother-in-law also enough for stepping in for me, allowing me to get to the track and um, take our uh, bare scuff paint uh, Chevy and have a top 10. Um, that was a fun race for the Dow Coatings team. Um, we were not good to start. We started at the from the back a couple times made big adjustments justin made a uh, good adjustment about halfway through the race to allow us to get some stage points and then um things started turning for us and we got a, a good restart and then a caution came out pitted and we had a loose a tire that um got away uh unfortunate but uh, we kept our heads down and dug hard um we're able to come all the way back to p7 um strong run for our team like i said uh, I think RCR, um, a little bit bummed. They got to wait till the morning to get to see Ace because uh, the plane shut down for the night. Uh, so we're staying here, and uh, we'll go see Ace early in the morning, leaving super early to go check out uh, Little Man, hang out. But he's doing great. Mama's doing great. I've been talking to both of them. And, uh, man, what a day. Thank you, Jesus. Next up, we're going to hear from Ryan Blaney. Now, Blaney finished the race in third after starting 11th. Here's what Blaney had to say. All right, we've now been joined by Ryan Blaney, and we will go to our first question from Jeff with Empire Sports. Jeff, go ahead. Hi, Ryan. Uh, congrats on the strong finish tonight. Could you talk a little bit on how you kind of adjusted with all the delays and the lightning delays and whatnot? Yeah, it was a little bit different. I mean, obviously, uh, we raced later than we thought. You know, it's um, so, but, you know, on the, on the other side of that, um, you know, the race that we're used to down here usually ends, you know, a little bit later like that too. So or at nighttime at least. So had a little bit of an idea of kind of where the track was going to go, but now we just kept adjusting all night with what we needed. You know, I mean, that that's difficult getting in and out of the car and that just stinks, but you know, the safety side has to be important of it. And, um, this part of it but uh it was definitely you know unfortunate but nice once we got rolling that we uh where it was to not stop it feels like we're talking to you a lot this year this is one this is your uh fourth consecutive top five finish what's been working for you guys as a whole on the number 12 team it's bringing good cars racetrack that's um and executing pretty well you know and uh you know besides besides bristol here recently uh, we've been been finishing really strong so uh, and it was just a you know, mistake on my part. So, you know, Todd Gordon, whole 12 groups doing really good. And, um, you know, we, we can run two through five. We just got to figure out how to break through and, uh, and get the win. And, uh, I think we're really close keep running like this. I think, uh, hopefully it will come soon. Okay. We'll take our next question from Bob Pockers. Bob, go ahead. Yeah, Brian, um, going to Talladega where you won, uh, last October, uh, how do you, uh, feel just, you know, with the momentum from, can you carry any momentum from these recent finishes to Talladega or is there nothing that you carry to Talladega? Yeah. Yeah. You, you hit it. Not, not a lot you carry to it as far as, um, you know, things that you can carry, um, you know, just kind of relate to with these tracks that we've been running. Um, that's just a whole another beast. You know, you can, we say it all the time, you can caught up in someone else's stuff and it's just part of it. 
Um, but you know, I, I enjoy speedway racing. It's just kind of a different, different deal. I'm excited to see the new rules package. Um, you know, we're going to get a first hand for it, uh, right in the race, no practice. So, um, I'm, I'm excited to see what that does, but as far as the momentum side, yeah, you, you feel good. Um, for sure. You know, stringing together some decent runs, but, um, it's hard to kind of carry that over to Talladega. You just never know what can happen. And are you happy with the, the change in the rules? Um, do you think it'll kind of lessen the, the runs that you get on each other? I hope so. You know, that was, um, that was something that, you know, we talked about with NASCAR and this, the runs were just gigantic and, uh, being able to get hooked up to that major runs even bigger. Um, so, you know, I, I hope the runs aren't as big. Um, you know, there's, you have to, there's a fine line, you know, you need the draft to work to where you can get runs on cars, but not just monstrous drafts to where it's dangerous to kind of block them, um, and things like that. So hopefully we can find a fair in between. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, um, you know, I know NASCAR did their research on hopefully trying to figure out, you know, a good balance of that. Okay. Well, our next question for Mark Darrow, Mark, go ahead. Thank you. Uh, congratulations on another good run, Ryan. Um, is is it more positive that you've strung top fives together, or is there a little bit of frustration you can't quite get over the top? Is it is it more good than bad? I guess is what I'm asking. Or more work. More, more good or frustrating? We could be running twentieth every week, so um, you know uh, you're proud of the runs that you've you've created and the speed our team's got. You know, I'm proud of that. Um, and I know, I mean, yeah, it's things you, you know, we haven't won yet with, with running really good this year, but you know, the way I look at it is just keep running up towards the front like that. And I think those things come. So, uh, just proud of the speed we have and just, uh, that we're close, you know, and just little things will go a long way when you're this close, you know, if you have to find 15 spots worth of speed, that's, that's when it's troublesome. So, um, you know, just, just proud of the efforts and, uh, you know, not, not frustrated or anything, just. Hopefully we can keep this up and just keep getting a little bit better week in, week out. And just looking ahead to Talladega, how big of a win was that for you to be able to put that on a resume, a Talladega win, a super speedway win? That was great. You know, I, I grew up there watching dad run there a lot. And um, obviously the history of that place is pretty special. So, um, and, and to do it in the playoffs and the fashion we did it in the finish was, was pretty neat. So, um, yeah, just a, a fun thing to do. And that was their new infield on their new victory lane when we were able to win that race. So that's just uh, what's special just because I, I remember going to that place a lot as a kid. Okay, we'll take our next question from Zach with the Pocono Record. Zach, go ahead. Ryan, two questions for you here. Um, first off, you ran the top really well tonight. Maybe the best you've uh, ran the top at any of the racetracks. Was that more of your approach for uh, – like how you approached this weekend or was that something that you talked with Todd Gordon about? Um, what was it that led to that? Running the fence? Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just the fast way around this place, you know, when you get laps on tires, um, you know, you, you see it in all the races, uh, whether it's trucks, Xfinity cup races, you got, you got, you know, a handful of guys that can just rip the fence. Um, it just helps on the long run so much. So, uh, so that's, that's great. You know, you have that mindset and yeah, Todd and I talked that this week, you know, we thought it was going to come more into play when we were originally supposed to race in the daytime, um, whether it was going to be hotter, but, uh, it still came into play a lot. One and two, you could kind of run around a little bit late in runs. Like I was running off the wall pretty good. Uh, but three and four, you had to be glued to the top. I mean, if you weren't right against the wall, you were uh, not going fast. And the bad thing about that is everyone went, runs the wall. You know, I mean, us four, the 11, the nine, myself and the eight, we just got 
bunch together and wins of three and four, and you just kind of stall out. Um, so that's that's the bad thing about everyone running the wall, or just that being the fast way. It's just sometimes it's a lack of options. Um, but yeah, it's just something we planned on, and actually got better all night. I couldn't run the wall very good early in the race. Um, I was really tight getting in against the wall, and, and we got that a lot better as we went. And then the Xfinity Series obviously had its doubleheader this weekend here, and there's the doubleheader coming up at Pocono in a couple of weeks. Is there anything that you guys are going to be able to learn or apply from what um, the, the 22 Xfinity team went through this weekend and apply that to Pocono in a couple of weeks? Um, I'm not sure. You know, I'm not too sure what uh, what the deal is going to be on that. Um, you know, they probably have a decent idea of, you know, personnel and, and uh, changes they got to make, you know, just using the same car and things like that. So um, I'm sure those guys will be in talks of, of uh, how they went about it and how it went. Okay, we will take a final question from Chris Knight. Chris, go ahead. Hey, Ryan. Um, I was just curious if after 12 races, you have a relationship with Todd Gordon. Other than a win, is the 2020 season going better than you thought about what you thought or – um, how would you evaluate the first 12 races? It's been going well. You know, I feel like uh, Todd and I have gotten along really well. We've, we've communicated great. Um, one thing that really stands out to me is, you know, some races we don't start off very good. You know, from Atlanta and Martinsville, we didn't start off good. And we, at the end of the race, we were really good. Um, so, and we didn't, we haven't worked together very long. So being able to communicate like that at a uh, kind of early part uh, of our relationship has been really nice. Um, you know, and, and I look back at a lot of the finishes that the bad finishes we've had of me wrecking in Bristol and tire coming apart at Fontana and, you know, the cost come out of Vegas. We should be, you know, we've had some really strong runs and uh, that's something to be proud of. But, um, you know, I knew it was, uh, I was looking forward to it. You know, I was looking forward to working with Todd, but uh, it's just been a nice run we've been on here. And I, I can't wait to hopefully get that, you know, that first win together here soon. Um, the group deserves it and we're running Pretty good enough to do it. Just got to uh, get you a little bit better. All right, Ryan. We uh, and we uh, wish you the best of luck next week in Talladega. Thank you. Unfortunately, we do not have audio for second place finisher Chase Elliott. So we're going to go ahead now and move on to hearing from winning crew chief Chris Gabehart. Here's what Chris had to say. Hello. Can you hear us? Okay. I can. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us. Congrats on the win. Um, we're going to roll straight for questions. So if you have one for Chris Gapehart, please um, continue to raise your hand or communicate with us through um, the chat option within the Zoom platform. And we are going to start with Jordan Bianchi. Go ahead. Hey, Chris, uh, we hear a lot about when crew chiefs are suspended. They, they still are very communicative with their teams at the racetrack. Um, what specifically are you able to do, though, when you're at the racetrack that you're not able to do when you're back at the shop still communicating with the team? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think um, it's just, you know, as, as people, you only have five senses to work with, right? And, and no matter how good the tools are at the track, you're missing a lot of them, or at the shop, you're missing a lot of them when you're not at the track. And on top of that, it's it's not live. So it is live, but it's not. You don't, you don't know the minute the caution comes out or, the, you know, the second a pit decision needs to be made or for instance, a, a perfect example is when the nine pit there under green right there at the end, I was literally listening to them and this, I'm just a little bit inside baseball, but the second they called him in, I called Denny in and it was still too late. We still couldn't make it. 
And um, there's no way that same play could have been made from, from me at the shop, or at least not with the same trust level that Denny and I have, because he knows what I'm doing. So, you know, as amazing a job as JGR's IT staff does, and I really can't give them enough credit, uh, they do an amazing job. It's just not the same as us being at the racetrack. So that's why, uh, that's why I'm back here today. Okay, we'll take our next question from Bob Pockers. Bob, go ahead. Yeah, Chris, uh, I'm curious, the issues at Martinsville, would that have been corrected if you had practice? Uh, golly, Bob, I sure hope we wouldn't run that bad if we had a chance to practice. <laughs> if so, Denny would have really had my butt. Uh, yeah, certainly. I think Martinsville is so unique because it's a concrete track, so with no practice at all, it's extremely hard on the tires until it rubbers in. And Goodyear brought a tire that, that was supposed to wear more. And boy, did they wear. I mean, at the end of that first six of that run, all the tires up and down pit road were bald. So now the teams, you, you don't know that when it's live, though. You, you can't be certain of that. So you're already making adjustments based on how the car is driving, and then you get the tires off and look at them. It's, it's not reverse. So you actually get behind two runs because you realize just exactly what's happening, but you got to run another 60 laps for the stage break. So to answer your question, Bob, I am confident – we would not have ran that poorly um, had we got some practice. And I cannot wait to get back to Martinsville to redeem ourselves. I take a lot of pride in our short track uh, efforts, and I know Denny does too, and that was embarrassing. And do you think with this no practice that everybody will have a day like you had at Martinsville and potentially teams will have the day like you have today where it seems like you hit on everything right off the bat? Yeah, I, I can certainly – that all of my teammates would tell you that um, you know again more inside baseball but I can tell you we all are, are having better days and, and, and then some off days and I do think that's a product of everybody trying to figure out how to do this but look I can't I can't stress to you enough what happens at the cup level is the, the world's best racers who optimizing things so no matter what comes our way at the cup level, our job is to optimize the new scenario. And uh, this is no different, guys. Uh, I'm telling you, if we're doing this a year from now, it, it, it is the, – the, the teams that are good are going to get great, and the teams that, are, that struggle a little bit are going to struggle worse. Um, it's our job to optimize, and I just think all the top teams do a fantastic job of it, and this will be no different. Okay, we'll take our next question from Stephen Conley with PRN. Stephen, go ahead. Congratulations on the win, Chris. Um, Denny was talking about uh, he has a, an unorthodox driving style compared to some of his other teammates, and you have to kind of adjust to that. Can you talk about what you've had to learn with working with Denny and his driving style and what you, maybe you have had to change on top of the pit box? Yeah, um, it definitely is different. Um, he's able to get speed out of the cars – in, in ways that his data traces may not suggest he's getting speed out of it, um, specifically at these 550-style tracks. Um, but, you know, what, what makes it work is the guy's won 40 times now. And, and when I got to him, he had won, you know, 31 times. And, uh, you know, he's a world-class stock car driver. So uh, I knew with, with – him as my driver and FedEx as my sponsor and Joe Gibbs Racing and Toyota backing us that I got I, I have a good enough driver to, to win every single race every single weekend. 
So when, when you have that level of trust, and I've not got to work with a driver like that as a crew chief yet, and that's nothing against, you know, the guys that I've worked with in Xfinity. It's just they didn't have the level of experience and, and resume that Denny Hamlin had when I came to him. So it just made it really easy to sit down and go to work and say, hey, we're going to figure this out together, and I don't need you to change. I need you to listen. You know, I'm going to point things out, and we're going to talk about it. And, you know, no different than me on the crew chief side, setup-wise. Of course, I pay attention to what my teammates do. But at the end of the day, we trust in our own abilities and focus on our own abilities to um, make our race cars better or drive our race cars faster, and I think that's our strength. Okay, we'll take our next question from Lee Spencer. Lee, go ahead. Thank you. Congratulations, Gayport. Um, Hamlin, when he was in there, basically said that he grew up with nothing. And I, I'm curious, do you think he uses the fact that he's not a silver spoon driver as a catalyst to, to push him forward? Um, you know, he said that reaching the 40th win milestone was – a number that he might have had years ago and he had been trying to reach it, but now that number, you know, just keeps changing because he keeps pushing that carrot farther. And I'm just wondering how much of coming from nothing do you think he uses that to motivate himself? Well, I can tell you this because I, I came from a similar background as him. You cannot know what it's like to starve if you've never been hungry. It's that simple. You do not know what it's like to go go without if you never went without. And Denny Hamlin went without in racing. He knew what it was like to have nothing and uh, to wonder where his next race weekend was going to come from. And he knew he would need a big break to make it. Um, so what you find out of, out of athletes like that or, or you know, crew chiefs or engineers or, you know, whatever, basketball players, whatever it is, is when their back's against the wall, they know what it's like to fight because they have fought for their lives before. Not just fought for a win, fought for their lives. And um, you have to have that to be great. Um, being good's one thing, but you have to know what it's like to fight down, fight out of a corner when, uh, when that's your only choice. And uh, I think Denny certainly has come from a background like that. And um, he takes a lot of pride in that, and he should. Um, this is not easy. And, and he's become great at this level, and, and he did it by climbing the ladder one rung at a time. So happy to be here on these rungs. It's been a lot of fun. Okay, we'll take our next question from Dustin Albino. Dustin, go ahead. Hey, Chris. Uh, this is your ninth win with Denny uh, in 44 starts. I'm just curious. I asked him the same question. What do you feel like it is about you two that just click? Um, it's trust, number one. You know, if I had put one word on it, it is simply trust. And what made it work in the, in the early goings, I've said it before, is that he trusted me right away. He literally allowed me to come in and be innocent until proven guilty. And, and luckily, for the most part, we're still, we're still in there. Um, every now and then there's going to be a car like Martinsville, I hope once in like 400 races. But um, he just trusts me, and I trust him, and, and we are both hungry. He knows how hungry I am. You say we're nine for 48. The very first thing I think about is the races that we should have won and got away from us. And that, that is just how it is. That's how it's going to be. I want to win all 48. And I know he knows that about me. And, uh, and, I, and I know that he does too. And when, when you know that, that each other is that invested, um, it, it makes it easy to trust each other. And that trust can be a huge building block. Okay, we'll take another question from Zach with the Pocono Records. Go ahead. 
Chris, obviously the Xfinity Series had its doubleheader this weekend here. Uh, is there anything procedurally that you guys uh, at the cup level are going to be able to take from this weekend, what they did, and apply that to Pocono Raceway in a couple weeks? That's a great question. Um, yes, for sure. And I can tell you uh, in some areas that I hadn't even considered until I watched my team live through it. And um, I'm probably not going to divulge a whole lot more information than that because I definitely have some things I need to talk to the shop about tomorrow based on what I've watched this weekend. But certainly it's been nice to watch somebody else live through it first uh, and hopefully we can make some adjustments for Pocono. I have one final question, Chris, for you that I'm going to read for Alan Cavana. And that question is that you mentioned um, listening to the Nines radio. How did you decide whether to react to the Nines decision or make your own call first and then have everyone react to that? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, in hindsight, um, I certainly wish I would have set the tone. The problem is we all know that there's a window that we kind of need to be in where it makes sense to start that. And um, that window was very narrow. Uh, it, we had just gotten into it. And um, a lot of things ramp up at that time during the calls for, for everyone. You know, we all got eyes on each other and ears. And uh, the laps start clicking by really quickly. And um, I had made up my mind that I was going to try to react to him because I thought I could get Denny on pit road the same lap, and I just couldn't. As quickly as I reacted, it turns out 180 miles an hour is faster than I can listen, push a button, and talk. So Alan did a great job, a really good job. I missed it by a second. Had I been able to get on the button a second sooner, um, we could have been down, and, and it cost us a little bit of time, but luckily our car was good enough and Denny was good enough that on the long run that you know, we had everything we needed. All right, Chris, thank you again. Congrats on the win, and uh, we wish you guys the best of luck next weekend in Talladega. Thank you. We're looking forward to it. Now to wrap up the interviews today, we're going to hear from race winner Denny Hamlin. Here's what Denny had to say. Congratulations on another victory. Thank you for joining us um, here this evening. We know it's late, so we appreciate you um, giving us a couple minutes. We will go ahead and take questions for Denny. If you have one, once again, friendly reminder, you may raise your hand within the Zoom platform or use the chat option as well. And we are going to start with Lee Spencer with our first question. Lee, go ahead. I know you just won, but has have you had time for it to set in that this is your 40th career win and where that puts you? I mean, 19th all-time wins, um, you know, the other three active drivers in the sport with 40 wins, they're champions and likely to be first-round Hall of Famers. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's a good number. I, it's, a, it's a number that uh, I've been looking at for – quite a few years and at one point I didn't know if I'd get there <laughs> but um you know you've adjusted I've adjusted my goals since then and and um you know there's a bigger number I'd like to get to but uh you know we're just um we've been on a roll these last two years um, and myself and Chris has got a good thing going um and it just works I mean we we have those crazy races like we had last week but then you know we we come back and, and do something like this so uh, I, I don't know. It's just um, cars are driving good. Um, you know, I still don't think that we're at the top of our game uh, with our team uh, yet. I think we're still got some room to get better. So I'm pretty happy that uh, we're able to reel off some wins right now, given uh, the circumstances. 
What was the catalyst for you reevaluating your numbers and what is that next number? Yeah, I mean, I, it's, I don't know. It's just, I think it depends on how long I go, but you know, for me, there's no end in sight. I think as long as I keep running like this and have uh, success, it's just, um, I don't know. I, you know, you, you keep moving it. You keep just moving, moving the bar just a little bit higher. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't take for granted that the people that are in front of me are, are, are great, all-time great drivers. I never thought I'd be in this position whatsoever, and I've just been really, really blessed to, to be with the, with the same sponsor, the same car, and the same team for all of my career. Okay, we'll take our next question from Bob Pockers. Bob, go ahead. Yeah, Denny, um, I'm curious what you think about not having practice at Talladega. You know, you won Daytona. Now they've changed the package. I mean, like, are you confident just that everything you could do at Daytona and Talladega normally will work? And do you wish you had practice? Well, I think it'll be harder to pass the leader just a little bit because, the you know, with the leader um, having those ducks, uh, it really gives them a lot of drag. So I think that um, – I think it'll – you know, the, the runs won't be quite as big as what we had in the past. Uh, but still, we've run a – different package at super speedways almost every other year. So uh, we'll adapt all pretty quickly. Um, and, but so for me, there's really not any concern. Will it change the way you race early because you don't have practice? Yeah. I mean, when I say early first couple laps, I'll, I'll know in the first couple laps, how big the runs are, what kind of gap I need to have to the person behind me to give me the, the run forward. So I'll know pretty quick um, what to do with the package. And I think we have a, probably a good idea of it anyway. Uh, these ducks are actually a pretty new thing. Um, obviously, the horsepower be, being down, so that might counter the ducks a little bit with the run. So I, I don't know. You know, these drivers are so good; they're they're, they're going to figure it out pretty quick. And I, I wouldn't expect anything out of the ordinary. Okay, we'll take our next question from Jordan Bianchi. Jordan, go ahead. Uh, Denny, at this point in your career, with with the wins and everything you've accomplished, do you feel like it, it's championship or bust? And a successful season doesn't happen unless you win the championship. No, I don't believe that at all. I think a championship nowadays is one in one race. It's not, it's not a, you know, it's not a big picture of your whole season. I last season was a great season for us. I would have a season like that every year. Um, I would take that. So, um, won six races. We're halfway there already. Should have won Bristol. I don't know how many times I got to say that stupid driver, but, um, you know, I just want to keep winning. That's all I care about is just keep winning. And then at the, almost like any other sport, you just want to win the last game of the season. And we'll, we'll keep, keep going until we win the last one. A little bit of a follow-up. When do you guys start thinking playoffs and planning for the playoffs? I mean, all the time. I mean, I thought about the bonus points today. Um, seven more bonus points by winning both stages in the race. And that goes a long way. So I, um, I'm excited about, uh, you know, hopefully – Moving up in the points, you know, we've had such up and down results. You know, we've been really, really fast, but just up and down results uh, here and there. So I'm, I'm pretty pretty excited that, you know, we got the most bonus points right now, and I just want to keep building on that. Okay, we'll take our next question from Mark Garrow. Mark, go ahead. Uh, Danny, congratulations. What's it, what's it like, you know, for somebody who came from the short tracks and got in this sport, not sure what would happen, and now your name, you know, you're on the all-time win list tied with a Mark Martin. You just passed a Matt Kenseth and a Tim Flock. 
and other Hall of Famers are, are within your reach? I don't know. You know, I don't know. I need to think about it. I mean, win number 40 is it's special. I don't – I can't – I can't uh, downplay it. I know how special and how much it means to me. Um, it'll take some time for me to understand what it means to me. And, you know, the accomplishment, that's a, that's a big number, and it's a number I never thought I would ever get to. Uh, so I, I just um, – I don't know. Those people you mentioned are, in my mind, head and shoulders better than I am. I just have been blessed to have fast cars and be able to execute and, and do some good things at the right time. And, and so I, I never just imagined being, you know, 2006 coming in for the first year and now having 40. Okay, we'll take our next question from Jeff Gluck. Jeff, go ahead. And it seemed like, uh, from what we could tell, that Joey uh, kind of tried to hold Chase up there when you guys were battling. And Chase, afterwards, twice, uh, would just say, I need to get through lap traffic better. Do you have any perspective on, was, was that, do you think that was a result of, of you know, their, their bad blood from Bristol? Or was that just a normal racing move? What, what were we seeing there? Uh, I mean, I'm sure that Joey probably ran him pretty hard there. Um, I, I think that. I think most people would if, you know, given the Bristol situation, you, you, know, you, you almost as a driver kind of got to expect it. But, I mean, I don't think it cost Chase the win. We had already ran him down. Uh, yeah, we were in the middle of battling, but I, I don't think it cost him the race. Um, but I, I don't know. Could, maybe, maybe not. Uh, but it's all speculative. But um, you, you have to kind of ask, ask Joey. I think Joey, you know, the way I saw it, you know, he was very generous to me. <laughs> and, and that's all I know, and I, I appreciated that. And I know I did see that, uh, you know, I don't know he really ran Chase hard. He just didn't let Chase clear. Um, you know, I, I think – I don't know if he was battling right there for the stay on the lead lap or maybe uh, – it looked like two down. I'm re-watching the race. But um, he just didn't let Chase clear. Uh, if Chase could have cleared him, I, I don't think he really held him up. He just didn't give him the spot. Okay, we'll take our next question from Zach with the Pocono Record. Zach, go ahead. Denny, obviously the Xfinity Series had its doubleheader this weekend. Is there anything that um, do you think that the Cup teams are going to be able to take away from this weekend and, and apply that to Pocono in a couple weeks? Uh, to this racetrack, no, probably not. I, they, they are just too different. Um, you'll come with a different type of car build. You'll come uh, with a car, obviously, with a little bit less drag. Um, you know, this is a very track that very – you know, it wears out the tires quite a bit. It's got over two seconds of fall off. So Pocono doesn't really relate to it much, you know, but uh, I, I'm looking forward to the doubleheader. I think we perform really, really good um, when we can think about things overnight, especially a race, go back and do it again. I, I love our chances when it comes to races like that. Okay, we'll take our next question from Davey Siegel with FriendStretch.com. Davey, go ahead. Hey, Denny, the MJ shrug at the end. Don't think we've seen that from you before after a win. Where did that one come from? <laughs> uh, well, I knew he was, I knew he was watching. Um, <laughs> he just, uh, you know, I looked and uh, he was one of the first guys to text me. So it, uh, you know, why not? After a performance like that, uh, after a shitty one we had last week, you might as well live it up a little bit. Fair enough. And um, that also with the McGregor gift that you tweeted after the race, it, it feels like you're, it seems like you're feeling some type of way after this one. Is it, is it too much to read into the situation and think that the stuff on Twitter this week played into that at all? Well, I mean, I'm motivated. Um, I'm, I'm motivated more than ever. And, and you know, like I said to my crew chief, um, 
you know, no matter what's said on social media, he's always going to get the best out of me. And sometimes, and sometimes, like MJ says, you find a way to motivate yourself. And uh, certainly there was a little extra motivation. Okay. We'll take our next question from Steven with 24-7 Sports. Go ahead. Danny, we've gotten so used to this being the championship race. And for a lot of years, it, it would seem like a lot of other drivers would kind of yield and concede to whoever was racing for the championship and kind of laid down almost. Do you think that drivers were, because this race was mid-season instead of end of season, do you think drivers were less inhibited? And do you think that contributed to you, uh, Chase, Ryan, and Tyler all battling for the win at the end there? No, I, I just think that we all had the best cars. Mix in maybe Blaney there as well. Uh, I just thought right from the get-go, all, all four of us were up front and had the best cars, and that, that's why we were uh, battling for the win there. And so, um, I mean, it was tough. I mean, some of the lap traffic, I, it was tough for me to get around, um, you know, but it's just uh, it's a product of it. I mean, we we did all we could to, you know, I, I tried all I could that last run once I passed Chase to, to, to leg it out and get a gap, uh, and I couldn't shake him. Um, you know, it seems like – I was a little gun shy because of what happened at Bristol. I kept pushing when I was in the lead with 10 to go and made a mistake. So I didn't want to run up next to the wall once I got the lead, but that's, you know, Chase was making up so much ground on me by doing it, by putting his car at risk when I didn't want to do that quite yet. So um, we just, I kind of ran as hard as I needed to there at the end and uh, it was just enough. But um, yeah, I thought the live traffic raced relatively normal. Okay. We have time for two more questions. We're Next question from Ashley with Popular Speed. Ashley, go ahead. When you're dealing with lap traffic, um, what is what is the etiquette that you expect from them, kind of building upon that whole situation that we all had coming down there with the 30 to go? I'm sorry, you got to repeat it. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear it. Okay, uh, just your thoughts on what do you expect etiquette-wise from lap traffic? Well, I mean, it, it just kind of depends on what their situation is and, and when it is in the race. I think when you're getting down to the end, you know, if you're you know, multiple laps down, sure, you're probably going to get the spot up a little bit easier. Some of these guys, you know, are battling to stay on the lead lap, say it's 20 to go, and they're in a pack with two or three guys that they're racing to try to stay on the lead lap. I mean, they're going to race you hard. You, it's up to you as the leader to be fast enough to get around them. And so um, that's yeah, probably a little bit of what Chase was talking about as well. It's, you know, hey, I just got to get better through traffic. Um, you know, I saw him getting tight there and, and kind of struggling even before he, way before he got to the 22. So um, it just, you know, you, lap traffic is just part of racing and, and you've got to have a car that works in multiple lanes so you can pass them. And I think that's what our strong suit was, is be able to go to the bottom, make passes and, and run the same lap time no matter where we were on the racetrack. Okay, we'll take our next question from Dustin Albino. Dustin, go ahead. Yeah, Denny, uh, congrats on the win. That's nine wins and 48 starts with Chris as your crew chief. What is it about you two that just click? Yeah, it's, it's, I, I trust him and he trusts me. I mean, you know, it just seems like I, I just trust him to do do the job. And he trusts me to do the job. He doesn't second guess me. I don't second guess him. I don't get into the nuts and bolts of the setup. Uh, that's his forte. And he doesn't get into the driving aspect that for me. I mean, I, I'm, I drive a little bit more unorthodox than what my teammates do. Um, but he just says – it's been successful. It's up to me to build the car to go fast the way you do it. So 
Um, he doesn't ask me to change, and I don't ask him to change. And I think it just works, and he's just a hard worker. I mean, he, he you know, after last weekend, he was pissed off. He was probably more pissed than I was. I just, you know, I, I left the racetrack, and I'm like, I just got to let it go. And there's nothing I can do about it. Um, I drove it as hard as I can drive it, and we just sucked. And, you know, he was on the phone and saying, you know, this is just unacceptable, and I'm going <laughs> to – have people's rear end and uh, you know we're, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna push and and we're gonna make sure we we get to homestead and we go win and that's you know more of a rah-rah type speech but i i don't doubt it i mean i i know that when we get here he's more motivated just like i am especially after a, a bad week like we had hey um jeff cluck did you have a follow-up question yeah, I'm I'm kind of confused about this whole thing with you and LaJoy. Like, is it is it personal? Like, are, have you guys – it started as a joke and it just escalated to that? Like, how – where does it stand now? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, we had some discussions, and I, I think that we both took some things personal. Um, you know, I, I should say we were both pretty sensitive uh, to what the other one was saying. You know, I know Corey uh, enough – and like I said to him, to, to mess with them. Like I, I only mess with the people I like. Like I don't, I don't mess with the people I don't like. Um, and I think, you know, he, he was sensitive to what I was saying and then, you know, made some remarks that were, were pretty sensitive to, to me. Um, you know, my, I understand his stance and he understood mine and that mine was that, um, you know, to win the races that I've won, I've, I had to, I didn't have the best car every time. I still have to go out and beat, you know, probably some of the best drivers in history uh, that drive for Joe Gibbs Racing and Stuart Haas and Hendrick and Penske. Like, the, no one gave me anything. I, you know, my parents had nothing, like nothing, nothing. And I got here the old-fashioned way. And um, so anytime you feel like, you know, anyone says, hey, if I had what you had, I, I could do that, it's it's offensive. You know, I it's a little offensive because it's – you know, you know, you know personally how hard you worked to get there. So, you know, I took offense to it, and and he took offense to the things that I said. So I, I understand it was a miss, you know, just just kind of a two guys that were were talking about some sensitive subjects, and I, and I think we're we're okay now. All right. Well, congrats again, Denny. We appreciate your time, and we wish you the best of luck next week in Talladega. All right. Appreciate it. And there you go. That was race winner Denny Hamlin. Now, Kevin Harvick, who was also involved in a pit mishap with Logano, finished 26. Harvick remains on top of the NASCAR Cup Series championship standings with an eight-point lead over Chase Elliott as the series now moves to Talladega, Alabama Super Speedway for the Geico 500. That race will be held next Sunday, June 21st. You can see it on Fox. Now, for a full report of this race, be sure and check out my website, Race Day San Antonio. That's racedaysa.com, where I have a full race story for, of the 22nd annual Dixie Vodka 400 from Homestead Miami Speedway. For coverage of the two Xfinity races and the Truck Series race, be sure and check out my website, racedaysa.com, where I have stories from those races as well. Now be sure and check back here at TracksmacRadio.com where Don and I will be back later this week to feature the upcoming Talladega race and also to recap what happened this past weekend at Homestead Miami Speedway. 
Once again, I want to thank you for listening today. Be sure and check out TrackSmackRadio.com for more shows and additional coverage. And we'll be back later in the week. I hope you have a great week. Thank you for tuning in to TrackSmack SmackCast. Check out more at TrackSmackRadio.com.